You are listening to A League of Divorced Women, where I, your host Pamela Penrose, will have chats with fellow divorced women about our stories of resiliency, strength, and courage as we rebuilt and continue to rebuild our lives. This podcast is to encourage all women, anyone identifying as female, who are thinking of divorce, getting divorced, or are on the other side of it. May you find a safe and welcoming space here as we share our journeys with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A League of Divorced Women. I am so excited to be back. And on this episode, I have um, my friend Lizzie that I will be interviewing. So I met Lizzie several years ago. She is really good friends with my sister-in-law and my brother. And from time to time when I would visit them, she and I would hang out and Then as life continued for both of us, I ended up going through my divorce and then she went through her own divorce and um, now she is a part of my divorce group, A League of Divorced Women. And it's just really um, crazy and wild how life has brought us closer together. Um, But I'm really excited for you all to hear Lizzie's journey and her story Um, She's also the first mom that I'm having on the podcast, so I'm very excited about that. Any moms out there listening, I hope that you feel supported and seen and heard by her journey, and um, I just think that you all are going to get a lot out of this episode. Lizzie is someone who always brings so much substance and wisdom and beauty to conversations, so I hope that you enjoy it and that you're inspired. Um, and that you just feel less alone in your journey. So sit back and enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of A League of Divorced Women. Today, I have my friend Lizzie on the episode. Welcome, Lizzie. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're here. Um, So first, will you just do a little introduction, tell everybody who you are, what you do, how we know each other. Yes. So my name is Lizzie. I live outside of Raleigh, North Carolina with my two children and my dog. Um, I met Pamela through her brother and sister-in-law who are some of my really close friends. So we have known each other for several years now and that relationship has evolved over time. So I'm now a part of the um, support group a League of Divorced Women, and also have had the honor to be in the same grad school program, um, yes, with you. So that has been really exciting just to get to know you in lots of different ways over the past couple of years. Yeah, I forget that it was you and Jenna that really, like, helped push me into my grad program, too. I forget that we have that connection sometimes. <laughs> yes. Because there's so many. Yes. So I just finished grad school last month and celebrating that accomplishment. And with that has come a bit of a um, professional shift for me, which is also part of my story that I think we'll talk about today. Awesome. All right. Well, just so people can get to know you a little bit better, um, the first questions that I ask um, are because I do astrology, what are your sun, moon, and rising? Yes, so you have taught me so much about this. So my sun is Libra, and my moon and rising are both Leo. Mm -hmm. And when I learned about this and got my reading, it was so interesting and felt very aligned with just how I experienced and how I think others experience me also. So I'm excited to continue learning about that as well. Yeah, I loved when I saw that you had a Leo moon and Leo rising. I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like just your (laughs) your playful energy and just like how you are with friends. And um, yeah, I loved that. And it made so much sense to me about you. Um, Yes. And then also your Enneagram number. I am an Enneagram two wing one. 
I have taken the test many times over the years. There have been times that I have really wanted to not an Enneagram too and have tried to test <laughs> and no matter how many times I try, I still land there. So I, um, yes, embrace that, that, those Enneagram two parts of myself more these days and have come to, you know, love that about me. But there was a period of time where I'm like, can I just be something else? That's so funny. Let me be an Enneagram seven for a few yes. weeks. Don't we all want to be an Enneagram seven for <laughs> at least a couple of weeks? <laughs> yeah. Um, I love, I love twos though. Um, some of my closest friends and then some family members, they have two in them and those parts of them. Um, when healthy and nurtured, it's, they're just such wonderful people. So I love that you're a two. And I've experienced that from you in uh, beautiful ways. So I'm glad that you've started to embrace it. Yes, I have. All right. Well, are you ready to jump into the meat of the questions? Yes, let's do it. Awesome. Okay. So the first question is, when did you know it was time to get divorced? Or when was like the first time that you were confronted with that thought? Yeah. So when I look back on the past several years, uh, I think there were several kind of markers for me in my story. Um, the first was definitely the decision to separate. So um, in my situation, we started with an in-home separation that then transitioned to an out-of-home separation. And at that point, I was hoping that we would be able to have the separation and eventually be able to reconcile. Um, so even though I was making those decisions, I feel like it was kind of like, just take the next right step. And then around the you know, in North Carolina, you have to be separated outside of the home for a year. So at that year mark after separation, um, when things were still difficult, I really was confronted with, okay, what to do next? Like, do I want to continue separate, you know, staying in this season of separation? Am I ready to take the next step? Um, and COVID, as it did for everybody, you know, shifted life so much. And for me and where I was um, at that time, actually, it was right around that time that I was thinking about filing for divorce that the world kind of shut down. And because of the needs of my kids, um, their dad and I made the decision to try to co-parent in the same home um, just to be able to meet the needs of the kids. And so I think that that kind of um, shifted things for me uh, at that time. And then fast forward many months, and I remember a particular moment that for me, so there was a lot of wrestling that happened with this decision. I think most of that was because you know, we are parenting children together. And so the decision may have looked different for me if we didn't have kids. But I think because of that, I, um, that felt really weighty to me. And so there was a moment, even after I had like started the paperwork to file, um, I was still like, there was still this part of me that was like, can we work things out? Can we work things out? And we had a, um, couples kind of counseling coaching session that we did together and I let my be a little bit pulled back in that session and just kind of see what's there observe just kind of pay attention and I got off of that call and I think it was just a turning point for me like it's time um it's time to move forward it's time to not be in this like holding pattern of separation I um, was ready to go ahead and, and take the next step. But I really gave myself a lot of permission in that time to um, be where I was. And so, you know, there would be times where I had 
you know, drafted all of the paperwork, but I wasn't quite ready to take it to the courthouse yet. Or, um, you know, I just really tried to give myself a lot of permission to be where I was and to just, I knew that I would, I would know when I was ready for the next step. And I think that looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, had I known in those early days, like when I um, made the decision or asked for the in-home separation, had I known that this is where things would have ended, would have had the courage to take that to take that step, you know, I think that would have felt really, really scary for me. Um, so yeah, it was like long and drawn out, but there were these markers for me in my experience that really stand out to me as being kind of defining moments and turning points for me and kind of gave that, um, just like enough of that inner nudge to say, okay, it's time to take the next step. Mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful. You make a really good point that it's such a big decision to give yourself permission to to take it slow. Like you don't have to rush. If no one is rushing you, if the other person isn't, and you're able to just take your time, um, that's so important. And I don't know if, you know, I'm thankful that you gave that time to yourself because if you had rushed at the beginning you probably wouldn't have learned all the things that you learned during that middle time where you were just taking it one step at a time. Yeah. And I think I can look back to you and just feel like, you know, of course I didn't do things perfectly. There are things that I would change, but I think I can really look back and just know that I honored myself um, during that time that, that I really did, you know, do what I thought I needed to do to, um, yeah, to just honor my desires, to honor my, you know, fears, everything that was coming up for me. I feel like I, I gave it adequate care and attention and didn't like rush through the process. So I think that when I look back, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud Mm -hmm. that I did give myself that I did have that as an option, you know, not everybody does in this situation. There are times where, you know, decisions are made and, and being chosen, um, that are kind of outside of your control, but, um, that wasn't my situation. And so I am grateful that I was able to give myself that time. Mm-hmm. And once you got to that moment where you knew, okay, the only way forward is for us to separate and divorce. I'm sure that you had such clarity that that truly was the only way forward. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of clarity. And with that, you know, it's messy. Like you can be so sure of a decision and then still have moments of, you know, am I doing, am I sure this is what I want? Like those, those moments of self-doubt can still creep in, even when you've given it tons of care, tons of attention, you know, gotten a lot of support around the decision. I think with any huge life transition, especially one that impacts people that you care about, like that impacts people that you love, um, there's going to be still those elements. And I just, I think it's important to know, like, that doesn't mean that you're not making the best decision for yourself and for your family. Um, Transition is really hard. And a decision like divorce is even in best circumstances is, it's an ending. It's an ending of what life once was. And I think it, you know, makes space for new beginnings. But ultimately, it is, you know, the death of life as you know it. And so I, you know, felt empowered and definitely felt like it was the the best decision for me at the time, but it wasn't always that clean cut. Like, mm-hmm. I wish that it could just be like super black and white, but it, the reality for me was that it, it wasn't that way. Um, there were definitely moments of self-doubt throughout the process. And I just had to continue to remind myself of what was true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point too, is that for some people it might be very clean cut. 
Like I know exactly what I'm supposed to do right now. And then for others, it will be messy. And I'll even admit there are times now for me where I'll look back and think, did I handle that correctly? Like I'll still kind of wonder, but then I know I showed up the best I could in that moment. And I can't, I couldn't have done differently because I, I didn't know how to show up differently. Yeah. I love that. I don't know who, I don't know who says this quote, but just like we do the best we can with the information that we have at the time. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that I've definitely clung to uh, with this and other parts of my life too, but just like I'm making the best decision I can with the information that I have right Mm -hmm. now and I can rest in that. Yeah. And what was like with your upbringing, what was your relationship to divorce? Like just yeah, so my it. parents got divorced when I was in high school. Um, so well, they separated when I was a junior in high school, and um, yeah, I mean, I had some friends growing up that whose parents were divorced, but I feel like most of my closest friends all throughout had parents who were married. I remember in college, um, I had a group of like 10, there were 10 of us. And at that time, um, everybody's parents were married except for mine. And so, I, you know, I was a little bit older when they got divorced and then I went off to college. And so that, I mean, my parents also have kind of an, are interesting in how they've done divorce. It wasn't always like this, but now, I mean, they, we do stuff together as a family still, even though they're not married, uh, we do holidays, we do vacations. Um, they'll come to visit me here and they're together. And so I kind of had this model of what co-parenting could be like, even with divorce. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I think that that has been really good for me. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of my relationship to divorce. It, my relationship to divorce, going through it was just. I don't think any. I don't think you can ever really prepare yourself for what can come up mm-hmm. with it. I just, I don't realize just how much, like how stigmatized, how much like uh, shame. I think shame. I, I wasn't anticipating that mm-hmm. feeling. That that shame piece. I mean, even when you think about language that's used related to divorce, and that's why I've connected so much with your platform too, like thinking about a league of divorced women, like there's such power and strength in that. And culturally, when you think about language surrounding divorce, you know, you think about failed marriages, you think about broken homes, like all of this really, really negative language that I just, did not expect to be confronted with mm-hmm. um, internally uh, when I was going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like a lot of that comes from, I think it's lessening with our mm-hmm. generation. I think a lot of it comes from previous generations. And I remember I was asked like, do you really want to be a divorced woman? And I was like, I don't understand. Like, yes, that's what I'll be, but it doesn't define me. Like, I'm not going to have this, like, it's not going to be stamped on me. Um, but it does, like, I feel like that is kind of in some ways how you feel at first. Yeah, I definitely, definitely experienced that. I mean, it's like all I saw around me was married people and couples Mm -hmm. and families. Like, even if that wasn't true, it was just, early on, it was just like, I just felt so, it just, it felt like, like I had this huge stamp across my face, like failed marriage or something, you know, Mm I, um, I did not expect that. I did not expect that. And I do think it's lessening and I, and I think language is powerful. And so I think being able to have these conversations and, um, to be able to know, like, I even read something recently that was like, when someone tells you that they're getting divorced, like, you can even ask them, like, do, should I send my condolences or congratulations? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, when I tell people and the immediate reaction is like, oh, I'm so, so sorry. Well, there's a lot that went into this decision for me. And a lot was really sad. And also, um, 
you know, for me, it was also really breaking free from a lot of Mm -hmm. cycles and patterns that have been with me for my whole life. And for that, yes, I would love for someone to see that and to know that um, there is life on the other side of divorce. And it doesn't mean that, you know, even though this marriage is over, my life is not over, Um, my kids' life is not Mm -hmm. over, but early on, it can feel that way. Yes. And I, I think too, like, I feel like there are so many people who are divorced, who just like, I feel like maybe kind of hide, like it's Mm -hmm. hidden that there's like, it's very common for people to go through a divorce. And I think that's part of what I'm trying to do here is just show like, this is just another thing that happens in life and how can we support each other who have gone through it? Yes, absolutely. And I like, I started praying that specific prayer for myself, like for me to have connections with other women who are divorced with other single moms. Um, And you know, when I started kind of retraining myself to be looking for that too, I feel like it really opened me up to a lot of beautiful relationships and connections with people. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that because I think that that support has been something that has really helped me and carried me through um, during this major life transition. Yeah. What would you say has been either like one or some of the most challenging aspects of it, whether it was while you were like going through it at the beginning or after the papers were signed, whichever one stands out more to you? Yeah. The grief. I think it was the grief. Um, I, so, you know, I shared a little bit about the shame piece, um, but I think the grief, it was like, um, not just the loss of the marriage, the loss of like what I thought my future would look like, the loss of the family together, but then it's like a million other micro losses that you may not even think about that, you know, there were some days where it's like the letting go has to happen hundred times that day, you know, Mm -hmm. the little things, the, who do I call when, um, you know, I get a flat tire. It's who do I put as my emergency contact? Who do I call when something happens in my day? Um, the loss of just all of these rhythms of life that I had that I no longer had. Um, so I feel like it was such just um, a reorienting. My life was just completely reoriented mm-hmm. with this, this decision. And I, I don't think that I expected there to be so much to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me to be grieving for as long as I did, like I'm kind of like, okay, surely, surely I've cried all the tears I can cry over this. Um, And I really was intentional to honor that pain and to honor um, that grief as many times as I needed to, as many times as I needed to let go, as many times as I needed to uh, say, this is really sad, really hard. And to even like, just acknowledge all of the many different things that that I was grieving, um, that is something that was unexpected for me. And I think it's also, I don't think we as a culture grieve well or know Mm -hmm. how to grieve or have been taught how to grieve, even when it comes to um, death of a loved one. But when you think about like disenfranchised grief, grief that maybe isn't necessarily recognized. Mm -hmm. So you think about divorce or disability or other things in life that can job loss, you know, loss of a home, anything like that. Um, I, yeah, it would took me by surprise. Yeah. We've kind of talked about this before, but just like how far back the grief can go too. It's like it can open up a doorway to past pain that you mm-hmm. haven't addressed. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like that is kind of what prolongs it too. Or um, there's just a lot to wade through. Yeah, it's so layered. It's so very layered. And I like the um, connection I'm just making of how you took your time to make the decision to divorce and you gave yourself permission to move through that slowly. And then also your grief. When your grief hit, you gave yourself permission to just grieve as long as you needed to grieve. Not that you were always content with it or happy about it, but you were very patient. Um, and it sounds like very tender with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely tried to be. Um, it was hard for me at times, but I also again, like I said, about kind of moving through the process at my own pace, I think giving myself permission to grieve for as long as I needed to grieve. And it's not like, oh, all of a sudden the grief just stops. I mean, Mm -hmm. there will still be times where it'll hit me, but it's a lot less frequent now and less intense. Um, Sometimes it will still feel just as fresh, um, but I think the frequency has changed. I think that um, that has probably been the the biggest shift that I've experienced is that it just isn't happening as often as it was before. Mm-hmm. And it's um, my experience is that as well. And then also learning to like hold it differently. Um, and it just feels a bit softer when it comes on. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think too, when, you know, like early on, you know, I just felt like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to feel this way forever. And I think that's kind of some of the resistance that happens when we are confronted with grief is that we, or I'll speak for myself, you know, I feel scared to feel this emotion because is it going to overtake me? Am I going to feel this way forever? And once you realize, oh, I can do this. I can do this and I'm I'm not going to feel this way forever, but right now this really hurts and right now I'm going to tend to this pain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to honor this experience mm-hmm. knowing that it's not going to always feel this way. I know that it's not because I remember 3 months ago or mm-hmm. 6 months ago. Um and so I think that that can help just to be able to to approach it and to treat it differently. Mm-hmm. And it's the more times that you grieve, you're able to see that. Like at the very mm-hmm. beginning, it is like, oh my gosh, am I going to feel this way forever? And you don't have a moment to look back on yet where you're not grieving. But then as you keep allowing yourself to grieve and moving through the process, you start to have more of these little moments where, oh, like I laughed during that time with a friend or I wasn't thinking about this situation for five minutes. Like it slowly starts to build. And then you have those moments to look back on and see, okay, the grief is not always going to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what were some of the, during that time, what were some bright spots for you? Were there any, any things yeah. that stood out? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's such an opportunity to learn yourself, to get to know yourself um, apart from your relationship to um, a marriage or, you know, in a partnership. That was really exciting for me um, as an Enneagram too. I'm sure that, you know, sometimes that has been a struggle for me in life, like prioritizing the needs of others over myself and learning how to take care of myself, learning what I like, what I don't like, trying new things. I mean, this, it's really like opened up a ton for me. So um, I started paddleboarding. I started doing yoga. I love being outside. I um, have met so many amazing people. Um, I've also just like been provided for in ways that I didn't expect. Um, it would be, you know, I would get a letter in the mail from somebody just like mm-hmm. on this, the day that I needed it, you know, people talk about stories like this and you're always like, really, but it happens. Um, <laughs> it really happens. And just 
when you're hurting so bad, these things that maybe didn't even take a lot of effort from somebody else, but it just means the world, like getting that text message at exactly the time that you needed, like a little bit of encouragement or um, getting invited over to dinner or having somebody, you know, know on a big milestone, like, hey, this might be a hard day and and reaching out. Um, There have been so many bright spots for me, honestly. Um, Part of my story, too, was that I was pretty financially dependent upon um, my ex-husband. I was mostly staying at home, working part, part part-time. So that was a big piece for me in the decision-making and also probably where a lot of my fear um, was as well. And so it has been empowering for me to um, you know, go to grad school to start building my career, um, to feel more financially independent, which has been a process, but I think it's been one that's been really empowering and really positive for me too. So I would consider that to be another bright spot of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like just knowing you and experiencing you, I feel like this grad school, I mean, it's truly your calling as well. So it's been an opportunity for you to step into your calling, I believe. Yes, I think so too. And to just think, okay, so, you know, I have two children with um, differing needs. And so I, for a long time, was just like, oh my goodness, can I, can I do this by myself? Can I do this by myself? there was fear there for me as well. And so how empowering it is to be able to just face fear and to, to keep taking the steps, even when scared. Um, Mm -hmm. and to be able to see, wow, I've done this. Wow. I'm doing this. I can do this. Um, I have made it through my first holidays and we did it, you know, and I, just so many different things like that, that have just been, that's been really empowering for me, really strengthening for me to see, um, what I've been able to accomplish. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, and I'm also wondering how just with everything that you have accomplished and with everything you've been through, if there's anything specific that you would go back and tell that version of you when things started to unfold? I think that I would probably tell her it's going to hurt like hell, but it's not going to feel like this forever. And oh, it's going to make me cry because I'm like, oh, it would be like beautiful to just be able to go back to that time and even to just like tenderly embrace myself and to just offer love and care and warmth to that woman who was so scared and hurting so bad and to just be able to say, um, I've got you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. And I thankfully had a lot of voices who I call it like hoping me forward almost and not in a way to, um, dismiss what I was feeling, but to be able to be hope for me when when I didn't have that and because there were definitely days where it felt hard to it felt hard to hope and so yeah I think that I would definitely want to just be able to offer that to myself and just say yes it hurts and it's scary and you are going to you are going to get through this one day at a time. Sometimes one day was too much to ask of myself. Mm -hmm. I think breaking it down even less than that on some days was the best approach. Oh yeah. There were days where it's like, 
let's get through this next breath. Like one breath yeah. at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just how amazing to, for you to look back and be like, I really did have her. Like I had her. I got her mm -hmm. through it. Yeah. What were some of the resources that helped you through that time? I had a lot. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like I just all the things that I could absorb or learn or get support from, I was all about it. So a big part of my um a big part of my healing, a big support network um during that time was I a friend of mine had told me about a support group that was actually based out in Colorado, but because of COVID, I was able to do it virtually. And I was in that for about a year. And that was like a lifeline for me every week to be able to meet with women who were experiencing similar, similar things in their marriage and to have a strong leader who actually my leader um, was divorced. Also, not everybody in my group was getting divorced, but they were all experiencing similar things in their marriages. And so um, I had this, I just had this woman who I really admired and I saw her living her life and loving her life and leading other women. And I'm like, okay, you know, there is, there's something to, you know, look towards in a way. And I feel like that support was just hugely beneficial for me. And then of course, getting transitioned then into your support group. I just think the group the group support has been huge for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm super relational. And I just think having like built in rhythms of connection with people, I really, really benefited from that. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I follow a lot of people on, you know, Instagram, um, did a lot of boundary work. I feel like boundary work was huge for me. And so um, being able to just soak up resources like that. I love Mark, Mark Groves, um, on Instagram. I did a couple of his courses, um, the breakup recovery course and the dating 101. Um, both of those have been really good. And yeah, I think leaning on my people, really asking people to, you know, speak truth. I think on those moments where the fear was overtaking me or the grief was overtaking me to be able to reach out for support and to say, Hey, um, I'm really hurting. These are kind of some of the things that are going through my mind. Um, can, can you all like speak some truth to me, um, and encourage me. And I think that, that is where I've gotten the most. I'm trying to think of, I've, I've read so many books. It's kind of hard to even remember all of them. I love um, a few different accounts on Instagram. I'm trying to remember the names of them. Well, and but, if you think of yeah. any after, we can always put them in the show notes too. Okay. Yeah, yeah that sounds good. Yeah, because I do I'm feel sure like that I will. you've got lots of resources. I believe that. <laughs> I feel like that's how part of how I don't know if that's like my Enneagram one wing or what mm. it is but I think some of how I've coped and how I've like made sense of everything um has been that learning has mm. been like soaking up it's like oh if it makes sense to me like intellectually mm -hmm. that has been made its way to like my heart my body um so there have been lots of resources that have been extremely helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about people and having them speak truth back into your life because we can make up the craziest stories during that time. I feel like in general, as humans, we have like try to make meaning out of everything and we mm -hmm. can make up stories in our minds that are not true, but especially when we're grieving and go going through hard situations. So having people to reflect and speak truth back to us is so important during that time. Yes, so important. If you don't have it in your life, like find it. I feel like there's so many opportunities now to like, I just highly, highly recommend that for anybody going through something hard or new, 
um, just being able to have support is, it just makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, I've been in therapy too. So that has been, that has been a big part of it for me as well. Um, making sure that I, I really wanted to, I wanted to be able to heal and, I think we're all healing. I don't think that I'm going to get to a place where I feel like, oh, I'm healed now. Mm-hmm, I think right. that part of being in this world is that it's going to be an, an evolving experience of healing um, throughout life. But I feel like I have been really committed to that for, you know, I want, I want to be able to, um, experience this pain and to live my life fully. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's beautiful. And I feel like part of what you just said goes into the next question, which is how have you been rebuilding your life? And I think your intention with continuing to heal and to evolve and live fully has been, has played a huge part in you rebuilding. Yeah, I feel so much more alive mm. um, to, I mean, with that, it's like you can be alive to the pain, but then on the flip side, it's also being more alive to life, to mm-hmm. goodness, to beauty, to nature, to friendship and love and connection and, and to joy. You know, I just, it, it, it goes hand in hand. You know, everybody always says that, but I'm like, wow. Yeah. I I think I've experienced that. I really believe that. Um, I think that part of rebuilding for me too has been getting really, really good at asking myself the question, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And to be, be connected to myself, to be able to know when do I need rest? When do I need play and laughter? When do I need to be outside in nature? When do I need time to myself? When do I need time with friends and connection? Um, Time with my kids, time to be at home, you know, all of these things that I feel like, you know, five years ago, I was just going through the motions of life, just like doing the next thing, doing the next thing. And part of this reorienting of life for me has been that has been slowing down uh connecting to myself I've journaled like crazy um journaling has been a a huge part of my healing too and going back and looking in my journals um I'm actually as I'm talking I'm thinking about the first question that you asked about like when were you confronted with divorce looking back at my journals was were they those were some of the really pivotal moments for me as well mm. when I look back a year ago for a year from now or a year ago and I'm seeing that I'm saying the exact same things mm. okay what needs to change mm. like what's happening and what needs to change like I'm not okay with that I don't want to I remember at the turning of the year, maybe it was 2020 to 2021. I can't remember exactly the timeline, but I was journaling and then looked back and I thought, oh no, I'm not next year at this time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be in the same place that I am right now. Like I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm committed to choosing differently for myself. So yeah. So part of, yeah, that's been part of my rebuilding. Um, getting really clear. I think that, uh, in a lot of ways there's been expansion for me Mm -hmm. and in some ways there's also been kind of a shedding of, you know, relationships that maybe were not the most healthy or were not aligned with how I want to live my life now. Um, which again ties into the grief. There's all Mm -hmm. these, like all this, like collateral damage that happens that I was not anticipating, like the relationships that kind of, um, are shed, um, just other kind of ways of living that are different now. But I think also as far as rebuilding goes, you know, my, 
um, being able to go back to school, being able to pursue my dreams, had to had to dream, like to be able to dream for myself, to be able to really think about, okay, five years from now, what do I want my life to look like, to feel like, to be like, how do I want to spend my time and energy, being aware of my capacity for like maybe the first time in my life, being able to recognize like I am one individual, I have a limited capacity, I can honor my time and energy, and I'm going to choose wisely how I spend that, who I spend that with, what I'm doing. So it's actually really exciting to be able to process through this with you because I feel like um, so much has happened in the past couple of years. And yes, a lot of it has been really, really hard, but being able to reflect on all of the good that has happened too, um, I just think that I am living my life completely differently than I was several years ago. I love how like your answer was not, um, and it is part of it, but your answer wasn't, oh, well, I, you know, went back to grad school and now I'm a therapist and like, I'm doing these things. And instead it was, how have you rebuilt from within? Like, what did you do <laughs> to rebuild like your relationship with yourself? Like that was first and foremost, what was on your mind. And that I feel like to move forward, that is where you have to start. You have to rebuild within first. Yes. Hmm. Um, I think I've just got one more question for you. So the last one would be, what advice would you give a newly divorced woman? Someone who's like just now going through it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that... I would say um, to give yourself the exact amount of care, compassion, support, love, forgiveness, um, understanding that you would offer to a close friend, a family member, someone that you love dearly. Um, and to just be that for yourself. Um, all of the, the ways that, you know, you may be feeling unloved or unworthy of love or whatever, all of the insecurities that come up when you're, you know, going through a breakup of any kind and especially divorce to just be able to nourish those parts of yourself and to start believing that you are so very loved and so very worthy of love and care and respect and goodness, um, all of those things. So that would probably be my encouragement there's lots of other things i could say too but i think that's so important for us especially as women who a lot of times can be conditioned to just expend that outward always and to be able to really offer that to yourself as you're going through something like this and to just trust that it will not always feel this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think of I think it's Mark Groves who actually says this, um, but that grief is our love, like our love, with nowhere for it to go, and so to take yeah. that love and give it back to yourself. So I just picture like like holding your hands out and you're like wanting to give love, but instead like putting your hands like back on on yourself and just like pouring it back into you. Yes, I love that visual. Yeah, and anything that you can do to make your life easier right now as you're in the transition, do those things. Mm -hmm. So whatever that means, if that means paper plates, if that means hiring someone to clean your house, if that means if anytime someone asks you for, you know, offers to bring you a 
meal or a coffee or anything, the answer is always yes. Even if you can do it for yourself, even if you can go out and buy that thing, the answer is yes. Let yourself receive, let Mm -hmm. yourself receive. Um, and yes, do there's so many things that you cannot take off your plate. So if there's something that you can, then I would definitely encourage uh, people to do that as they're knowing that your capacity is going to be limited, but it will grow Mm -hmm. again. It will not be like that forever. So good, Lizzie. That's so good. Um, Well, as we're wrapping up, are there any questions that you have for me? Okay. I, I'd love to know if you've listened to any good podcasts lately. Um, any good podcasts lately, like a specific episode or just like a new one? Yeah. Anything. Um, I mean, I'm always listening to Mark Groves and I always listen to, to be magnetic. It's called the, it's, it's the expanded podcast. Um, And then there was a new one that I started listening to um, and she just really, I think her name is Kathy Heller. Yes. Kathy Heller. Have you heard of her? I haven't. It's called don't keep your day job. Um, And she is someone who just like really motivates you. So I feel like her podcast would be a good one to, um, you know, if it could be good if you're in like a grieving moment, but it might be better for those moments where you're feeling like, okay, I can take a step forward. What's going to empower me to put some momentum in that direction? Um, okay, I'm looking at that now. And then I have another just like unrelated to anything that we've been talking about <laughs> okay. question. So (laughs) have you ever, um, have you ever heard of or been to a favorite things party? Favorite things party? No, but it sounds very exciting. Okay. So my question to you is, this is going to put you on the spot. So you might not have an answer right now, but if you were invited to a favorite things party where the budget was like between 15 and $20, what item would you bring? So it could be anything like wine, beauty product, food Mm -hmm. item, like anything that you've discovered maybe recently that you just like absolutely love and would want to, you would want other people to know about it. Does anything come to your mind? Oh, wow. Um, Well, at first I started thinking back to like when I was like deep in my grief and what were my favorite things. Um, But then you said like just now, like what would I bring today? And honestly, in this moment, I would probably probably bring my programmable drip coffee maker. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Just because I just got it and life has been so hectic lately. And it, I feel like when you were talking about anything you can do to make your life easier, that's what it's done for me. Because usually I would make um, coffee in a Chemex. And so it uh-huh. would take me... I'd have to heat up the coffee or the water first, and then I'd have to like tend to making the coffee because you can't walk away from it. Um, And it just felt, it didn't take that long, but it just felt like a lot. And I wanted to feel like somebody was making me coffee. So having this programmable coffee maker, it makes my coffee when I'm waking up in the morning or when I go work out, I'll set it to start making when I'm driving home. So then it's ready when I get home and it just feels like somebody is there and has made me coffee. And <laughs> I love it. So now you need to name your programmable coffee maker. I should. That's a great idea. I have a name. Yeah. Yes. I'm ho- I've am i been wanting to host one of those parties for several years and I just haven't gotten to it, but I think this year is going to be my year, but you are supposed to bring like three of the same item. Everyone has a budget and then you do kind of like a white elephant exchange. And so you leave with three favorite items, just random things, but you get to kind of see what people are loving and using and get introduced to new items. So it sounds like a fun thing. So I just was curious if you had anything that you were loving these days. I think I'd probably add like my weighted blanket 
or there's this <laughs> face oil that I've been using at night that has just become like a ritual that I do. Like anything that's just going to make you feel like cozy and cared for, that's something like that is what I would bring. <laughs> yes. What would I'm you bring? i about that. I love it. Do you have something you would bring? Um, I, okay. I've been thinking about it because obviously I'm wanting to host this. So there's a <laughs> bubble bath that I love. That's like an Epsom, Epsom salt bath. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also, there's this local place. This is so random, but they make these homemade English muffins and they are so delicious that I've just been obsessed with. They sell them at like local markets around here. Um, so I was thinking about they have like sweet potato, regular, they have all different flavors. So I was thinking about something like that. Um, there's also a lip balm that I love. That's like this Swedish lip balm that is, feels so good and is minty. Mm-hmm. So that might be my items. I have a few different ones in rotation right now. Um, the bath bombs or bubble bars from Lush are mm-hmm. unbelievable. So thinking along the lines of your cozy nourishing yes do they have shower ones do they have what shower ones for your shower oh I don't know I need to look and see if they have the shower steamers I love it that's such a that's such a great idea you know I feel like that's something that anyone like listening someone like if you aren't divorced and you have a friend that is going through a divorce like that would be a great party to do for someone and like everybody bring one of their favorite things and give it to that woman I love that Mm -hmm. I love that well I hope that you do that this year Lizzie and feel free to invite me (laughs) (laughs) I'll report back and let you know (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Any Anything else that you wanted to share? Any final words? Or you feel like you said everything that was on your heart? I think I said everything. If anybody is like on the fence about whether to join a support group, I highly encourage it. I think that just the com- com- women are amazing. Mm-hmm. I love being in community with women. I just feel like it makes us all better and makes our community stronger so I agree that would be my final thing Mm, I love it all right well thank you so much for being with us Lizzie you're welcome have a great day bye bye Thank you so much for listening to another episode of A League of Divorced Women. I hope that it has been supportive and encouraging for you. I would like to take some time to talk to you about my current offerings. If you are feeling a desire to be more involved in a League of Divorced Women community, so first and foremost, to join the community, there are three different options. You can go onto my Instagram page, Penrose Creative Healing, and there's a link in my bio that will take you to the League of Divorced Women on Patreon. And within that, there are three offerings. So the first one is just to join the community, and that's going to allow you to be able to um, join forums and chat with other divorced women, get support from them directly, um, and support each other that way. You'll also get weekly messages from me and have access to me. You will also be able to have access to any bonus episodes or Q&As that I do. And then the next option is to have access to the platform but then in the community and then also join the weekly process group. So we meet on Sundays from 4 to 5.30 Eastern time. And we also read a book um, on during the week. We're reading a book together. It's not required, um, but it's definitely helpful. And then during the group, we meet and do process time and check-in time. And it's really a time for you to be able to process the things you need to process and check in 
in an environment that helps you to feel safe and and it helps you to feel welcome to share those things around your divorce, whether it's happening currently or it happened in the past. It's a safe environment for you to process those things and know that you're welcome to do so. So those happen weekly, so you would have access with that option to the group and also the platform on Patreon. And then the third option is to have access to all of those things and then also to be able to meet with me quarterly to look at your um, astrology chart. So it can be looking at your natal chart and discussing things, um, but also looking at your solar return chart to look at what's coming up for you that time of the year. Um, we can also look at your monthly astrology charts as well, just to help you navigate currently what's going on in your life. So that is the League of Divorce Women community. I also offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions to help you just process your grief and move forward in your divorce. And then also one-on-one -on -one astrology sessions. Um, with the astrology sessions, I can do your natal chart reading. And I can also, and what I really love to do is relational astrology sessions where we look at the houses and the planets that have to do with relationships in your chart and discuss ways that those have impacted you previously, um, how you can work with them now to have relationships that you um, that are really fitting for who you are and what you desire, um, and talk to you about the things that you crave within relationship and how you show up in relationships. So those are my current offerings. Um, I did um, in October become a certified astrologist through Rising Woman, and I'm very excited about that. Um, and I am still currently in my internship for school um, and will be graduating in August. So slowly and slowly getting closer to having um, my license to become a licensed clinical mental health counselor. So thank you all for being along with me on this journey. I have loved supporting you and growing with you. And if you are interested in any of these offerings, again, you can find them on my Instagram page. Penrose Creative Healing in the link in my bio. You can also direct message me on Instagram or feel free to email me at penrosecreativehealing at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here and I hope that you have a beautiful week.